0: Welcome back, friends, to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. I'm Bob Kaler, and we're continuing our look at some of the talks that were given at the 2021 Global Gathering in Montgomery, Alabama. We've heard from a variety of leaders from around our movement, but in particular, we hear in this talk from our president, Keith Boyette. Now, I went to seminary with Keith, and I've known Keith for a long time. I can't think of anyone better to lead us through this process. Keith has a great mind. He's a non-anxious presence. But I really enjoyed this particular talk. I've heard him speak many times. I know you have as well. He's been on our podcast many times. But I felt like Keith was really on fire in this particular setting. So you're going to hear him talk about waiting for birth and choosing to be the people of God in this new season. So give Keith's talk a listen and then stay tuned for a little conversation I had with Keith after the event via Zoom.
1: Well, before we get to Jonathan Razon, you're going to hear from me. <laughs> You know, you can't have a good meeting unless you have a few hiccups, right? That shows that we're human. It shows how desperately we're dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Please understand, I do not regard myself as being Jesus or the Holy Spirit, (laughs) despite Walter's uh, affirmation. What I do do every day is pray that I would decrease and that he would increase. And so if people see evidence of God within my life, the presence of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit, then I rejoice because hopefully that means I am decreasing and he is increasing. Well, I'm Keith Boyette, in case you don't know who I am, and I'm president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Thank you, what a joy uh, to those of you who are watching in simulcast sites on livestream, those of you here at Frasier, what a joy it is to gather with you. You know, when we last did a global gathering in Tulsa, we were close to 3,000 people in all of those different venues. Based upon the registrations that we had coming into this morning, we were approaching 2,300, 2,400 registrations. I'm confident that when we get the final report, it'll be more than that. I think that's a remarkable testament in the midst of pandemic recovery, as it were, to be there. And so thank you for your support and engagement. One of the hardest seasons in life, I think, is that season of waiting for the birth of a baby. I've done it three times with three children and I've added four more times with grandchildren waiting for them. Now, I'm I'm not entitled to any special recognition for that. I mean, I did none of the work (laughs) associated with that. The nurses told me that my title was coach. I think that was to make me feel good about my presence in the room because I don't think my wife appreciated or needed my coaching at all (laughs) in that time. Labor and delivery often do not go by the book. There can be unexpected delays, changes in circumstances, moments of uncertainty, but eventually, one way or another, the moment arrives and the baby is born. Oh my, the joy and elation of that moment, all that hard work, all that pain, that has gone before suddenly seems to evaporate as this new life comes into the world and you hold your own flesh and blood knowing that this is a gift from God. Waiting is filled with frustration and discouragement, anxiety, a desire to make things happen. What strategies have you used to try to make a baby come when you are tired of that long wait? Birth is filled with joy, victory, new vision. As the psalmist declares, weeping may last through the night, but oh my, my, joy comes in the morning. The psalmist continues, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I may sing praises to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give you thanks forever. That's from Psalm 30. Well, you and I are awaiting a birth. The name has been revealed, the Global Methodist Church. We already know a lot about this church. We eagerly await the moment of birth when it is legally formed and begins to operate. But we're not there yet. And that is frustrating and discouraging More than a few of us are impatient, amen? Amen. Some of us want to force the issue, amen? Amen. (laughs) Deliver that baby, perhaps before the right moment. Maybe we should do a (laughs) C-section and just rip the baby out, make that delivery happen. I mean, that's the human way to do things, correct? We'll take control. We've been waiting this delivery for months even years. The Hebrews waited 400 years for deliverance from servitude in Egypt. They wandered 40 years in the wilderness before they could cross the Jordan to the promised land. And God's people were in exile for 70 years before they were permitted to return to their homeland in Israel. Our wait has been long, but compared to those, well, not so long. Still, I'm tired of waiting, what about you? I'm impatient, I get anxious, I'm discouraged at times. But I have learned that God does amazing work when we are waiting, if we trust him and allow him to work. If delivery had occurred sooner, would we have been ready? Well, what choice would we have when the baby comes? You can't say it's not convenient yet. You have to be ready to move ahead. And we would have been, but God is at work in this season. And if there's one thing I have learned in my lifetime, it is to trust the timing of God. I have seen over and over again, his timing is perfect. His ways are mysterious. I don't always understand them but in retrospect I always see his wisdom. I want to thank thousands of people around the world who have worked to prepare for the launch of the Global Methodist Church, all those persons who have served on the Global Council of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, Delegates to our global legislative assemblies. So many people who have served as officers and board members of our regional chapters. Hundreds of people who have given of themselves to serve on our task forces. Countless intercessors, including those who are praying for us even now partners in ministry who have joined us in this journey, and most recently the members of the Transitional Leadership Council who have met weekly for more than a year preparing to usher this new baby into the world. And so many of you who have generously given of your time, your resources, your prayers to sustain this work and to ensure the startup resources will be there when we begin operations. I want to thank those who have had to pay the price of facing opposition and who even have had to sacrifice in order to stand for the vision of this new denomination. I'm grateful for the Reverend Dr. Jody Ray, who is here with us today. Jody, if you would stand up. Jody was arbitrarily and capriciously removed from the position of senior pastor at Mount Bethel United Methodist Church by Bishop Sue Hopper Johnson. She is now under complaint for having failed to fulfill the mandatory responsibility of consulting with him in Mount Bethel. I'm also grateful for the Reverend Jay Liu, pastor of Valley Korean United Methodist Church in Grenada Hills, California, who was with us over the last three days but had to leave right before lunch today so he could return to be with his people tomorrow. He was informed that he would not be reappointed to Valley Korean because, quote, he undermined the ministry of the bishop, close quote, by sharing information about the protocol for reconciliation and grace through separation, and because he told people about what their options would be once the implementing legislation is adopted. Do you hear the spirit that is in the United Methodist Church? It is not a spirit of freedom. It's not a spirit that is making way for the Lord to work. It's a spirit of control and manipulation and deception, and it will not stand. The purpose of the protocol was to demonstrate to the world that we Methodists, despite significant conflict, could love one another as we part ways, blessing one another in our separation. God sent us a Jewish lawyer to show us the way in Ken Feinberg. And we have the humility to listen to what God is doing through even a Jewish lawyer. Unfortunately, recent events have undercut the environment of the protocol I urge persons of goodwill to join me in continuing to pursue the goals and objectives embodied in the protocol. Our stepping out into a new day is not dependent on the adoption of the protocol, but it is the best way for most churches to address the future if they're going to be part of the Global Methodist Church. Launching the Global Methodist Church does not free churches from their present entanglement The protocol implementing legislation justly permits churches to align with the global Methodist church with all their buildings, property, and assets without paying significant sums of money. This is the fair, the right, indeed the Christian approach to resolving the impasse. (laughs) Leading bishop-centrist and progressives acknowledged this critical point when they endorsed the protocol and committed to work for its adoption. The announcement of the impending birth of the global Methodist Church is a moment of great hope for Methodists worldwide. Committed to the historic Christian faith and the Wesleyan tradition, the global Methodist Church will unashamedly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Our unity will be in the person of Jesus, not in an institution. We are single-minded in our mission. We dare to proclaim what our forefather John Wesley proclaimed, that God desires to transform our character so that we increasingly reflect the character of Jesus. With Wesley, we are prepared to become more vile for the privilege of sharing Christ and him crucified with people of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and especially with the poor, the outcast, and the marginalized. We desire to be a truly global church that enables the strengths in one region of the church to be shared across the church in every part of the world so that we all mutually benefit. Rather than being a church dominated by being US-centric, we expect to be a church that experiences the rich diversity of leadership and vision that rises up from all corners of our connection. We see our connection being rooted and grounded in the great confessions of faith as so eloquently expressed in the sermons of John Wesley. I believe we are on the cusp of a great theological revival. Rather than, being, rather than being fractured in what we believe and what we practice, we will humbly submit to Christ and to live in obedience with the teachings that he affirmed from the Old and New Testaments. I suspect most of you have heard the oft-quoted words of Mr. Wesley, spoken as he looked forward to our generation. Mr. Wesley said, I am not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist in either Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And this undoubtedly will be the case unless they hold fast to both the doctrine, the spirit, and the discipline with which they first set out. As we launch into this new future that God has for the people called Methodist, we will not settle for the form of religion. We will press on to experience the fullness of the, of the power of God that he promises to his church. We will hold fast to the doctrines that has been, have been entrusted to us by those who have faithfully delivered the faith to our generation. We will know nothing but the Holy Spirit which God has poured out upon his people, seeking always to be filled to overflowing. And we will be a church that adheres to God's discipline as we seek to be a fitting dwelling place for him as he draws near to us and draws people to himself. We will live in what some have referred to as an already not yet season between the first coming of Jesus as Savior and his second coming when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and King. In a similar vein, we are in another already not yet season. We can be Methodist of the global Methodist church in anticipation of its launch in the very near future. We can live out its doctrine We can embody its mission and vision. We can keep our eyes focused on where God is calling us. We can be the church God is calling us to be, here and now, regardless of what the powers and principalities of this world dare to say. I conclude with another compelling and well-known quote from John Wesley. Uh, This is our call. Mr. Wesley declared in the phrasing of the 18th century. Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. What say you? Will you be counted among these women and men, whether clergy or laity, who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God? What say you? Will you choose? Will you choose to be part of a generation who, by the power of God working within us, will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon the earth? What say you? Join me and let's go global.
0: So I'm here on Zoom with Keith Boyette after the global gathering. And the first thing I thought as I was sitting in Alabama listening to you speak, Keith, because I've heard you speak many times over the course of your presidency as uh, president of WCA, I thought he dropped the gloves today. That's a good hockey metaphor for it. Like like we're we're coming at the drop of the puck with all the fire we can bring. So... Um, I know your your talk was about waiting for birth, and um, but this was not a passive waiting that I sensed in you.
1: Definitely not, um, Bob. First, I think the atmosphere in Montgomery um, added to the emotion around my my remarks. But you know, um, we have been absolutely clear about who we are, who what our movement is about. Um, Those who are in a different place in the church should be well aware of of what we believe and the direction that we are are headed on at this point. And um, I constantly hear them saying that they wanna get to the time when um, we have parted from them and different Methodist expressions have emerged, but My observation of what is going on in the church is that um, they're doing everything they can to make sure that that day does not come. And so it it baffles me and it frustrates me. We are ready. Uh, Are there more things that will happen that make us even better prepared between now and when uh, the day comes that the Global Methodist Church is legally formed and operating? Sure, but we are ready to do so now and i definitely wanted to communicate to our constituency and to those who are in other places in the church that we are an on fire prepared and ready to be deployed movement and um, we will be a force for god and i hope that came through loud and clear in the remarks that i made
0: yeah i mean to use another metaphor a shot across the bow so to speak that um that really says you know we're we're in this liminal phase, in between things, and that's not an easy place to be. And you acknowledge that. And and I I got a little depressed when you said, you know, the Israelites waited four hundred years, then they waited <laughs> seventy years in exile, and and uh, and and I'm thinking to myself, as long with the psalmist, how long, oh Lord? And that, and that was kind of a. We haven't talked too much about the the global legislative assembly, but there's a sense there too about. Kind of a, a holy discontent, uh, a desire to to get moving, but we didn't put timelines on things uh in terms of trigger points, because a lot of people were talking about tripwires for what if this conference doesn't happen in 2022? What's next? We didn't make those decisions. And I thought that was wise of the group. Can you talk a little, little bit about the timeline and and kind of where you see things? As sitting right now in terms of the timeline,
1: sure. Well, I, you know, from the very beginning of our journey through this, we have constantly talked about doing contingency planning. I think we've uh, raised that to a an art form uh, in this journey. It's hard to do contingency planning when someone uh, puts hard deadlines on things and they cut off your uh, discretion, your ability to be nimble and flexible. Um, And so I was pleased that the Global Legislative Assembly expressed their concern about this not going on a moment longer than it has to, but did not set an arbitrary deadline for certain events to occur. We, the WCA and our, our allies, Good News, Confessing Movement, U.M. Action are going to do everything within our power to ensure that a general conference occurs in August, September of 2022. We've demonstrated that it's possible to do a hybrid legislative assembly. We pulled that off without a hiccup uh, on April the 30th. Uh, In a few weeks, when we hold the continuation of the Global Legislative Assembly, we will do an entirely virtual legislative assembly. And we will take up uh, the motions and resolutions that remain and people will vote entirely online and participate in debate entirely online. We will demonstrate that it's entirely possible for this to occur. And we are we are going to make sure that the United Methodist Church and its leadership is under maximum pressure to make sure that that this General Conference comes off. Uh, and we will we will lend them our expertise if they want it. We will we will participate in whatever way we can to facilitate that happening, if they're not too proud to receive our help. Um, but but no one should think. That we are passively going to sit by the sidelines uh, in the meantime, um, and and I, I I like the delegates uh, to the global legislative assembly. I regard um, a decision being made in August September twenty twenty two as an essential matter, and if that does not occur, and there's no justifiable reason for it not to occur, I mean. There could be another pandemic, God forbid, between now and and then. And so we we realize we're not in control of events that are beyond our control. But there is plenty that is within the control of the United Methodist Church. And uh, and if 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 there is not supreme effort to make that happen, then we're going to have to consider our alternative steps. Uh, and that'll be amongst the many options that we have in our contingency planning but we will not wait forever for this to come about
0: yeah and i think that's that's important for people to hear that there's kind of an impression i mean when you look at social media and i know you you tend not to look at that a lot simply because it will drive you crazy but there are a lot of things out there that that are that are people taking shots or people who are wondering about things or speculating about things who clearly haven't read some of the documents that we've put out. Um, the WCA is doing things in secret. There, there is nothing being done in a corner here at all. And, um, and so, I mean, what would you say to those who are kind of in the corners and maybe um, speculating or grousing or jumping on social media about what's happening? Uh, what's your invitation to them?
1: Well, uh, first I I would say to you that I I think we have tried to be as completely transparent as we can be. Um, I mean, there is more information available for the WCA constituency than any other constituency in the church. Everything is on our website. It, you know, we regularly communicate. Um, I would say to those who sit in the bleachers and lob grenades, They ought to get in the fray. They ought to come on into the water, as it were, and join us in this. We have multiple ways that people can become involved. I would say that most of the people that are in the bleachers lobbing grenades have a limited body of information knowledge. They're speaking um, without context to the larger scenario. And um, and they're and they're oftentimes got the blinders of their own individual circumstance in mind, and they're not seeing the bigger picture. Um, we are trying to represent a global church, which means that what is good in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where I am, may not be good in Lumbashi, Democratic Republic of Congo, and and we have to navigate that. Um, I I invite anyone who has a perspective that they want to share on Facebook to feel free to email me and share that perspective with me, and I will engage them and try to help them understand why exactly what they're demanding occur may not be the best thing for everybody in this circumstance. Uh, Bob, you know, I, I want to just share. It's really interesting. I know, I know that you're a person. is is, uh, daily engaged in in, Bible study, devotional reading. Um, I believe that the Word of God is alive and speaks to us in every day. And this week, God has really been speaking to me about this wilderness experience through the wilderness experience of the Hebrews. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, in verse two, God's God, uh, Moses says to the people of God, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove, prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. And that gave me a whole new perspective on what might be happening right now. Uh, I don't like going through wildernesses any more than anybody else, but God does teach us some things in the wilderness, and he does develop character traits that we would not otherwise have, and he learns something about our character and our faithfulness to him in this time. I hope he brings this wilderness experience uh, to a conclusion rapidly, but um, but I'm going to journey with him because he's the faithful God, he's the one who makes the path, and his outcome is always better than any outcome I could s- impose on a circumstance. Uh, so to our friends who are our critics, I'm grateful for you. Uh, I listen to what you say. I, I'm challenged by some of the statements you make, and it causes me to re-examine, you know, my own thoughts. But, but um, I invite you into the water. I invite you into the battle. Join us.
0: You said in your talk, our unity will be in the person of Jesus, not in an institution. And, and that was a powerful statement, I thought, because we we do get in the weeds thinking about institutional politics and how those things are being formulated, the different plans that we have. And, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it was great at the Global Legislative Assembly that we were able to have robust debate on certain issues, but still agree that the core of what we believe is is clear. And, and we could walk away from that saying, well, maybe this is an opportunity for us to, to hammer this out a little bit more rather than see winners and losers in the midst of it. And I think that's going to be a constant process. And when people bring this stuff up to me, I always tell them, look, all of this is in process. And so rather than critiquing, maybe offer some suggestions, some opportunities for, for, uh, input that, that would help us to improve our process. I mean we've got a blank slate that we're working with here. And, and it's an opportunity for us to do this with lots of different input at this point, because you don't have to be a delegate right now to give your input.
1: That's yeah. exactly right. I, I get emails from people who are not council members, not delegates, not regional chapter leaders every day. And I can tell you, they receive the same level of, um, me absorbing what they're saying and passing on their thoughts that everyone else does. Um, We are an open book in terms of what we're doing. And, um, you know, uh, I've been asked, okay, you're not going to have a trust clause. um, uh, And and you're you're changing the authority of bishops, they're not going to have quite the power that they have in the United Methodist Church. So, What's going to hold you guys together? I mean, people can just get up and leave anytime they want. And, you know, the bishop, the bishop is going to have to work with people instead of commanding them to do certain things. And I got to tell you, I am not worried about that. Because if our unity truly is in Jesus, if we are pursuing his mission, people will want to be part of this. If we're trying to develop some human-constructed um, enterprise, And we're trying to compel people to be part of it. We will fail. Um, There are all kinds of denominations that don't have trust clauses, by the way. And and they're doing just fine. Some of them are doing better than the United Methodist Church. And so I do hope that we will major in Jesus, that everything will be about Jesus, that Jesus will be lifted up, that his salvation will be proclaimed. And uh, his transforming power will be experienced. And I think when that's happening, people aren't going to be worried about, well, where do I get off this train? They're going to be so excited about where the train's going that they'll be all in.
0: Yeah, it's about holiness, not a hostage situation.
1: Amen, amen.
0: <laughs> so yeah. any parting words, Keith, as um, as you think about the the global gathering in general? I mean, you have to be thrilled with, with how that came off. I, I was just thrilled with, all the speakers who did a phenomenal job. And as I've been editing all the podcasts and from the talks and listening to them again, just how blessed we are to have such a great diversity of leaders in our movement and, and to see what God is doing the energy and enthusiasm in the room, uh, which we haven't been able to have for quite some time, just kind of give me a sort of a uh, after action review from your perspective on the global gathering? And as people are listening to the talks, uh, some of the highlights that maybe stuck out to you.
1: Sure. Well, the you know this was our fifth global gathering, and any number of people have either written or emailed me and shared that they've attended all five global gatherings, and this, in their view, was the best of them all. Now, part of that may be due to uh, COVID fatigue, and we were together, and it was a high moment. But there was a a real enthusiasm around every aspect of this. People were genuinely excited to be present. Um, you're right. The the speakers, both uh, uh, Jeff Greenway and Angela Pleasants, who spoke at the Global Legislative Assembly, their devotions, and the speakers at the Global Gathering were, I mean, they were on fire. The Holy Spirit was uh, very present and speaking through them, and, and I think um, our batteries were recharged, our, our passions were uh, inflamed, and our vision was renewed, and um, I am more excited, I think, than I've ever been about what God's got before us. The I was so pleased with the Global Legislative Assembly. You're right. People had their unique uh, perspectives on things. There was healthy debate, that there was a, a genuine love in the room and a, a, and a respect that we were all pulling in the same direction. And I thought it was a healthy atmosphere and we really got a lot of work done, a lot of exciting work uh, for the future. So I emerged from this um, um, renewed, uh, invigorated, uh, enthusiastic about the future, uh, excited by the level of commitment. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to fully calculate the investment of people in this, literally thousands of hours, um, thousands of people have been involved in giving birth to uh, what is, is now going to be the Global Methodist Church, and um, uh, it is a movement. It, it is literally a movement. It is not an institution. It's not an organization. It is a movement of, of God-loving, Holy Spirit-filled people, and I'm excited about that.
0: Keith, I want to thank you for taking a few minutes to jump on and um, tag on to your marvelous talk. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us and listening. We remind you that you can send your comments and questions about anything to us at podcast at Wesleyan or you can send your questions to Keith at president at Wesleyan org, uh, Or also you have a global Methodist church email, right?
1: I do. It is K. Boyette, my first initial, my last name, Kay Boyette at globalmethodist.org.
0: So feel free to send those questions. Rather than speculate, ask. We'd we'll be glad to talk with you about any of the aspects of what's happening with the formation of the Global Methodist Church. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter at WCA Pod. Make sure you leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And we look forward to seeing you back here next time on Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association.